Hey, Prime members, you can listen to Alone at Lunch early and ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the app today. You're listening to a Morbid Network podcast. Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA Salt Lake City Branch, subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Whether you hydrate to live or live to hydrate, Liquid IV quenches your thirst faster than water alone. With three times the electrolytes of the leading sports drink, plus eight vitamins and nutrients for everyday wellness, all in a single sugar-free stick. Liquid IV is perfect for daily use before a workout, when you feel run down, after a long night out, or on long flights. Basically, anytime you need a pick-me-up, however you hydrate. Grab your Liquid IV Hydration Multiplier Sugar-Free in bulk, nationwide at Costco, or get 20% off your first order when you go to liquidiv.com and use code WONDERY at checkout. That's 20% off your first order when you shop Better Hydration today, using promo code WONDERY at liquidiv.com. guys welcome to another episode of alone at lunch today we have comedian and podcaster billy Presida with us in quarantine yay hi everybody <laughs> you have to speak bill or else nobody can hear you that's how podcasts work oh i did then then I <laughs> no, it did. let's be lonely together i can't wait are you yeah, okay with us talking about your living situation billy it's very interesting oh yeah i mean yeah we can do that just for a little bit, I just because uh, I I think it's an interesting topic, and then we can we can totally go back to what we want to talk about sure. regarding the podcast. Yeah, that's fine. Even though I'm normally very private about my sex and dating life. Oh, like, sure, exactly. Oh, I've heard that about you. I forgot to mention you might know Billy from his podcast, uh, the Man Whore Podcast. <laughs> yeah. Throw that in there. So you're currently living with your girlfriend and your girlfriend's other boyfriend. Anyone else? Oh, I'm qu- well, I'm quarantining with them. I live in Brooklyn, but oh, uh, for sure. I didn't, okay. Yeah, I just I don't know. I imagine like a worst case movie scenario, like where they lot like they close the bridges and tunnels. I saw I Am Legend. I don't want to be stuck on that side of the river, so I figured <laughs> I would like wait it out over here in Jersey City. Uh, but yeah, it's it's just me and her other partner and her. Uh, they have a three bedroom in Jersey City. Uh, one of the bedrooms is this walk-in closet. Yeah, it's absurd. You each have your uh, own bedroom? Angry. No, not like their house is three bedrooms, but like they turned one of them into a walk-in closet. Uh, they have a spare bedroom that Megan and I sleep in most nights. Wow. Fancy. That's fantastic. You made a little, good choice. Little, it little baby like. backyard. Yeah, I think so. What is that? Or like be alone in my bedroom in Bushwick while like one of my roommates fucks her boyfriend the whole time. Yeah, you made yeah. the right choice. You made the right <laughs> choice for sure. Is, uh, is anybody like working in a normal schedule? Like, is anybody like sitting at a computer from nine to five in your situation? Or are you all just hanging out? Or uh, everyone is working in some capacity, but no, no one had traditional 
work other way uh, anyway. Um, well, that's not true, I guess. So Megan's small business that she runs is on hold, but she has other revenue streams. Um, her Kyle, uh, he is a bartender, but he's been helping out with the the bars, like takeout business. And then, you know, I tell dick jokes and I do my podcast. So I've been like on the computer, you know, here and there throughout the days. But it's kind of just like, yeah, hang out, do your own thing, do things together. Yeah, that sounds... That sounds like it works out nice. It's like your the situation allows for this kind of flexibility, although it is very different than what is normal, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, are you? Where are you from originally? Originally, like born uh, and raised. Uh, born and raised in Bergen County, New Jersey. Represent. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Fairlawn. I always. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, I, and, and and actually, fun fact is that Carly and I went to college together. We were in the same major. We had classes together. We sure until, did. Until and I semi forgot until like you came to my open mic, and I was like, wait, it's like I I fucking know you. Ben Kafka, <laughs> right? We had Kafka together. Yes. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I grew up grew up in that area of Jersey. Uh, I went to boarding school in Connecticut for four years, and then I went to NYU freshman year, and kind of never left New York City after that. What was boarding school like? Was that a choice that you made or did your parents decide that for you? Uh, no, no, that was definitely not my choice. Uh, I, well, I wanted to go to boarding school because uh, I was bullied incessantly um, from like first grade through eighth grade. I went to a K through eight school. So it's like mm -hmm. you have the same hundred kids every year and it just, the bullying just got out of control. And so I wanted to leave. May we ask what they were targeting or just didn't even, it was like, like everything. It, it, none of it made sense. Yeah, I mean, I didn't really have friends growing up. It, it was just like everybody shit on me. Like to the extent that like, like I didn't just get your normal run of the mill bullying. Like I found out that uh, right before eighth grade graduation that I was on a red flag list after Columbine. Oh shit. Like that's the level bullying i received now i wasn't a violent kid i wasn't wearing dark trench coats they sure, literally they, just you know yeah. they were just like who gets shot on the most billy right well we could stop let's keep an eye on him because we could stop the actual problem and actually crack down the bullying but it's easier to pay attention to one kid whose mom is on the pta than like actually you know do something about it so oh, wow. uh yeah that that's like the level at which i got it uh my i my mom chose the boarding school I went to because it was like an alternative character education type of boarding school. A lot of seminaring, a lot of talking about your feelings and growth and stuff like that. Um, so yes, boarding school is what I want to do, but I did not want to go to this particular boarding school. So what were you, what was, what were you doing? Like, what were you like? Like, did, what did you do in your spare time when you were able to get out of school and like do things for yourself? How did you spend your time? Uh, I remember there was like a good year of my life or so where I was like, I read, I was really in the Greek mythology. So I read the dictionary because I was making index cards for every Greek mythological character because I couldn't find one book that just had all of it. So I wanted to make it myself. And, wow. you know, that was probably the age of 11 for me. Wow. And, that, and like, and it is that type of stuff. I did logic problems. I read books. I watched TV. I played you know, I played computer games. Um, I really liked reading. I was a big reader. It made it difficult to punish me. It's hard to punish a kid when you like send him to his room with all those books he really likes to read. 
Yeah, I would constantly get in trouble because I would read like under my covers. Like I had like a flashlight. My parents would tell me to go to bed. And I'm pretty sure that's why I have glasses now because they wouldn't let me read with lights yeah. on. <laughs> and, and it's just like, it's so unenforceable because you can only enforce the no light rule if you like, you know, they can see into your window or if they're outside your room. It's otherwise, you know, you just keep turning gonna, it off when they yeah. come by. You know, I've got a fucking artillery of flashlights like i'm ready to go confiscate <laughs> as many as you want i'm gonna figure it out i actually i had a very like romanticized idea of boarding school because i was such a reader i like really wanted to go to boarding school or like even just sleep away camp like i just had like these ideas of like going somewhere else away from my parents for a period of time yeah. that i never really got to do but i imagine most boarding schools are not like books or movies uh, I mean, I, I can't speak to the other schools. I only visited them when we played sports. Mine was definitely like not the norm. Uh, it was a, like I said, it was a very like alternative type of school. Like we would stop class all entirely just again to somebody's attitude. You know, if like, oh, wow. there was an issue or like if the, what we would call like the, the culture of the school or if like the attitude of the school was off. Sometimes we would cancel all classes. We'd have a, like a four-hour school meeting. And then we'd all like do a lap around campus as a school or something. Wow. Did, uh, did, were you able to find more of like a friend group there? Eventually, but it took a while. Like I got there and I got bullied there too. I was a very easy target. No idea why. <laughs> uh, but, but, you know, eventually, like by the time I graduated, I had some friends. and At least was it built also, some confidence. Was it also a small group there? Uh, it was a small school. The entire school was under 200 kids. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. So, like, I remember one day, like, I think sophomore year, the, the head of school, like, we were in a school meeting, he was talking about community, and, like, there was some new kid, and he'd been there two weeks, and he just called him out during the school meeting and said, Bentley, stand up. You can name every kid in the school. I'm going to give us, uh, you know, Dean's Day tomorrow. Class, no classes, no requirements, just everyone gets to have a day off. Um, and he went around the entire the entire auditorium, and he named every student and faculty member. Oh, wow. thank God for him. Yeah. I would not have been able to do that, even in <laughs> person school. I would have been like, ah, that guy, the other guy, brown hair, blue <laughs> yeah, eyes. Yeah, but think about how many unfunny comics you could name. You could name 200 unfunny comedians right now like from open mics right that's so it's true. like it's that's true that sense of community yeah but yeah so it was like a it's a small alty school um yeah it's hard it's always just very hard to explain did um did you find so then you went to nyu and then that's even like a huge change yeah. how did you manage that change was it better was it like more difficult were you already used to like having to deal with so many changes and being on your own and what was that like for you college was the first time i didn't feel like a fucking loser me too right you know it's it, and that's the frustrating thing you're a bullied kid they always tell you it's gonna get better you know in grade school they're like just wait till you get to high school in high school if it still sucks they say wait till you get to college if you're in college, it sucks. It's like, wait till you just get out. But so, it sucks so bad to give that type of advice to a kid because, like, you know it's right, but it doesn't make the present situation any better. No, it doesn't go by any faster to be like, someday, someday that guy told me I'd have friends. <laughs> yeah, like, just because I'm, you know, I'm what I am today doesn't mean getting punched in the face doesn't hurt now. Right, know? right. I almost wish you could, like, 
or if I knew somebody in that situation, like now, I I recently found my journal from freshman year of college. Oh gosh! And it's so bad. It's so embarrassing, <laughs> and it's so cheesy and horrible. But there are a couple moments where I'm like, this is so much better. Like this is <laughs> like I have friends, and I'm like, I would give this to a sad teen if they needed some help. Because right. it, it did change. It got a lot better in college. That's so funny. It took me. It took college. Same for me. It took college. Uh, I don't know. College it took me a little bit longer. Like, for, I went to a small private school uh, growing up, and so we were all pretty close. And um, then I went to high school, and I had my group of friends there. And then when I got to college, it took me like almost like two years to like find a group. <laughs> so I was like, I w- I feel like I went from like a big fish in a small pond to a small fish in a big pond, and that transition was pretty difficult at first. Um, when did you start hanging out with your, uh, your Jewish pals? I thought that was like your college crew. I know. Wow, that's a- like an oddly specific question. Like <laughs> when did you, when did you start hanging with the Jews? Well, we've talked about it like five <laughs> yeah. times. On this I, yeah. My closest, my closest friends were a couple of friends I had in my major. And then I had most of my friends were cause I was involved in Jewish life at NYU. Um, and that I started going to services, I think somewhat like freshman, sophomore year, but I would just like sit alone and then I would just leave. Like I, I was very hard. It was hard for me to actually like get in there, you know? Um, and then finally sophomore year, I went abroad and then like, there was one girl from that community that I got closer with. And then she joined, she hooked me up with her friends. Then when we all came back, it was like, now we had like this thing going but I don't if I hadn't gone abroad I have no idea like what would have happened that's always helpful when there's that like friend linchpin that's like I'll get you into these other friends like you're like oh man I just you know got five for the price of one how helpful yeah for sure and those are like no no you keep on I was just saying those are like the, the the friends like my core five friends that I still have are like those friends that I met abroad and have continued on so yeah what were you saying Billy though sorry well, for one thing, abroad friends are interesting. Y'all get like super tight and super close for what sometimes feels like a like an odd reason. Like, just, I don't, I, it makes me just think like, what happened abroad? Like, did y'all murder someone together? Like, why is this bond <laughs> so strong? It was ten weeks. Uh, See, I didn't but... get to go abroad. So when all my friends came back and they were tighter, I was like, what did you do last summer? Like, did you do that? And why can't I know? why am I not part of it? I remember the, the kids a year older than me went abroad. And when they came back, they were trying to be very sophisticated. They went to London, they came back and they were like, we drink Stella Artois now. And I was like, I don't want to be your friend anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was just that you're just like, well, it was before we had really had like cell phones, smartphones. I mean, I had like a flip phone all throughout my time abroad. Um, and so you're just like having to really be face to face, communicate, like hopefully make it to the right place because you're literally using like a map. Like, <laughs> so I think there's just like the constant struggle. I mean, I went to London cause I couldn't deal with another language. So it wasn't like that difficult in having to navigate that we actually got much closer when we all went to Italy and then we had to like figure out this new language. And like, there was a lot of things that we were just like, if we don't stick together, anything could happen. <laughs> so then yeah then that uh this is me trying not to sound like a complete douchebag like well i was in london then i went to italy and then <laughs> yeah no keep trying carly <laughs> yeah just keep digging it deeper I yeah say, yeah i, I went it to shows italy. how cultured you are <laughs> i remember i was in italy for work uh and i used to work on cruise ships and it was not glamorous work but it was you know i got to go to a bunch of cool places but one day 
So there were like six of us and four or five of us were really excited to travel and every opportunity that we got, we'd get off the boat and it would only be for like an hour, but it'd be like, oh, we're gonna take an extra long lunch break and like at least like touch land and walk around. And this one guy that we were traveling with, everywhere we went, he'd get off the boat and be like, he'd stand like on ground, be like Italy, check. And then like want to get back on the boat. And we were like, you're the worst. You're the worst, you're the worst. <laughs> like you can't even take That's a- That's not how you travel. Yeah, he's like, he'd check in. Do you guys remember Foursquare? They'd like check in oh, everywhere. Yeah. And uh, him and one other kid were in this competition. Kid, we were like 25. Uh, one, of this, <laughs> one other guy were in this competition to be the mayor of the boat because it was a brand new cruise ship. So no one had ever like checked in on it before. That was a very obnoxious part of the journey was that competition. <laughs> um, Billy, have you talked to anybody that used to bully you growing up like is that something like now that you're like way cooler you have this amazing podcast you're living the life of sexuality like are you like hey guys really you're lost I mean <laughs> the life of sexuality yeah, the life like, of sexuality uh, the, the name, term. name of my third memoir uh, <laughs> uh you know there's some kids from high school like let's I'll put it this way I have not reached out to any of them for sure. And there have been a bunch who, over the years, through social media, will reach out to me for one reason or another. Um, some of them still think that they're cool and try to shit on me. And it's like, all right, bro, I'm, you know, living a life you could dream of. And some of them just uh, genuinely grew up and turned around. And then, you know, they've hit me up to just be like, yo, that's really cool. This looks dope. Or would love to see a show. Uh, I do want to, man, I do want to have on my great, my, so my podcast is like very personal. It's um, while also talking about these broad topics of, you know, sex, dating, love, gender, um, sexuality, but I want to have on my grade school bully. I think that'd really, be amazing. That'd be awesome. Like if I could go get Alex Bass and I could agree to get him on the show, like that would be very interesting. I'd be very curious how that conversation goes. Because, like, I hear he's still a dick. That's what I've heard from others who hang out. I was going to say, if he, if he wasn't, and even though he is, everybody that I've talked to from even college or high school about anything, bullies or otherwise, they always have such a different memory. Just 10 years ago, 15 years ago, you know, you're like, oh, yeah, this one time that me and so-and-so and this other guy did that. And they were like, no, those two people weren't there. It was those other three people. And, like, this happened. Like, memory is just so skewed as it is it'd be interesting to talk to somebody and have you say to them like hey you were my bully and then being like i don't even remember you or i remember you being my bully like i feel like everyone's yeah. perception of their past is so different right but like my i mean i just I, my it's like mine had so many meetings over the course of eight uh eight years with these kids like there was really no question of like if right anyone's bullying me it was just more a lot of people just thought like I needed to toughen up, uh, which sucked because like they're, you know, the parents knew what was going on and they didn't do much. Yeah, you know, I wonder rich what parents it... don't have a lot of resolve. No, no. Right. I wonder really. what it would have been like in today's day, like with so much, you know, touchy touchy, um, you know, all the movements going on if, if life would have been different. Like I feel like everything was so different. <laughs> I don't know, even whatever, 10, 20 years ago. Uh -huh. But you can't change that, Billy. <laughs> you can just talk to us about it. Yeah. Yeah. So 
Okay, so now you um, have this podcast and you have this um, kind of reputation of, of, you know, how you're presenting yourself. I mean, it's not like a bad reputation. It's just no, what yeah. it is. <laughs> how, when did you start uh, knowing this was something that was going to be part of your life? Like how you were um, going to make such a personal podcast? Like when, I mean, it's not easy to be able to broadcast your life to the world really. And, and to be able to, you know, even have a, a modern, you know, type of love versus what people think is the norm or you know however whatever the terminology people want to use for it like how did that start to arise in your life um the podcast or the non-monogamy go for it all of it oh Uh, well i started i started my show uh the man whore podcast a sex positive quest for love uh six years ago and i started because i uh had this weird problem where women would sleep with me but they wouldn't date me and i wanted to find out why Cause like I wanted a serious romantic relationship, but it was every time I wanted to escalate things, it was always the woman who told me she wanted to like keep it casual. So I started a podcast, like literally talking to women I've hooked up with about why we didn't work out. Uh, and yeah. I, yeah. I was going to say, that's very cool. <laughs> how, how many people the, would uh... have do that how was it how did it go when you first started asking women to be on that podcast like i i would i don't know what i would say uh if somebody was like hey we we slept together a few times can you come on this podcast and talk to me about it yeah it's uh it's not an easy sell uh but you know it 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 depended on the pitch was different for each person usually but um overall i just tried to be like kind of transparent assure that they can be anonymous and like also tell them like, you get to be honest. I'm not gonna like try to tell you. Um, yeah. Um, hold on, sorry. Sorry. <laughs> it's okay, it's okay. Um, I, w- I would just say like, uh, early on I had to play around with like the, the language and the messaging a lot to figure out what was gonna make people most comfortable. But, you know, overall, like, I mean, I'll put it this way, like a third of the women I've asked, or sorry, the third of the women I've hooked up with have agreed to be on the show. Like another third don't respond and another third say no. So, I mean, that's like around yeah. what it is. Yeah. And there's, 30%, still, yeah. yeah, there's still like a bunch of people left to ask. So I actually like refined the list down recently trying to be like, okay, uh, you know, I want, I don't want to have on like people where there's really nothing to talk about. And there's still like 50 people left who are like, okay, this is the core 50 remaining after six years. Wow, uh, 50 people. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like, That's uh, great. My first kiss, I want to get her on sometime because she's gone down a very different path. Uh, my, you know, There's a woman who broke, I was seeing on and off for like a year and a half who broke my heart a bunch of times. Love to have her on. Um, I have an ex who like, you know, who I dated for almost two years who um you know things ended fine and then got disastrously bad after the breakup and like that would be an interesting thing to dive into um yeah, always, sure. i think part part of going to that boarding school man like i was really big on like introspection really big on like having difficult conversations so you know kind of makes sense that this is the the route i went down that's Our so interesting oh, go ahead no no 
are any of those relationships other than your first kiss, are they all pretty much like adulthood, like college and beyond? Or are there people you've talked to from like high school, junior high? Like, has it gone well, that I didn't have, I didn't have a lot of success. I mean, I, like I said, like I didn't have really any friends and it's not like my love life was any better. Sure. Uh, so there's only like a few people from the high school era. And um, the, the, so the rest of them would be adulthood, yeah. I, I think I went I keep... to I think I went to college having made out with like a handful of people. Sure. I don't know why I keep picturing this this boarding school as an all boys school. It was not. No. Okay. <laughs> there are plenty of co-ed boarding schools. <laughs> even if it was, I mean, even if it was, I just yeah. was like I'm, in my brain, I just kept picturing an all boys school. Okay, well, never mind. <laughs> I was just really. I mean, it might as well have been for me because like I was just really awkward. So like I had a, I had friends who were women but never women who were interested in like wanted to hook up with me or anything like that i don't want to make out with billy uh or they did and i was too much of a wuss or moron to realize or, yeah. it or to make moves yeah like i always like le- aired on the side of extra respectful which caused me to not make moves and that's been something i've been trying to unlearn for like over a decade not to not be re- not to be disrespectful but like to make advances and take risks and typically the worst thing that happens is someone says no. Right, right. Right. Very interesting. And so now um, you, the experience you had at boarding school sounds like it like really affected the course of the rest of your life almost, like in your ability to be so introspective, starting this podcast, being able to kind of broaden in uh, once you got to college. D- do you see that that could have happened without that? No, if I if I didn't go to Hyde, I wouldn't be who I am today for sure. Uh, I went to that place a sad, scared, lonely, uh, um, self-loathing boy, and I feel like I left there a slightly more confident uh, man. You know, I, I that's where I learned self-love and self-confidence, and you know how to speak up. You know, to start speaking up for myself. That's where I learned how to like kind of speak publicly. Cause we'd have these like school meetings with 200 plus people with all the staff and everybody. And, and you'd, you'd be talking to all of them about your feelings and you're 15, but you're talking to a couple hundred people about like the most insecure parts of yourself. And so to like transition to say stand up was easy. Cause it's like, Oh, this is just like saying negative. Th- this is same thing. I'm oversharing, but with a punchline. It was like, so definitely gave me some good trainings. Yeah, stand-up's almost easier because you're oversharing, but it's in the dark and to strangers as opposed to the two yeah. people that you see every day in your orbit. Yeah, I mean, if anything, it really taught me like how just being open and honest and vulnerable, like those are just things that, like I don't even think of it as being vulnerable because it's just second nature to me. That's great. I should have gone to your high school. I was going to say, I feel like it's definitely developed in high school. I remember going, I went to Boston University um, and I grew up on the East Coast. I've always been on the East Coast. And I remember starting college and I had like West Coast friends and they had just like come from just a little bit more talking. Like I remember like somebody like went to hug me and I didn't really hug people then. Like I was like, what are you like? You're not moving away. I don't need to hug you. (laughs) <laughs> like no i'm just gonna i'm gonna see you later so i was gonna hug you and then you know i'll see i'll hug you tomorrow and i see like 
you know, what's wrong with you? And I was like, I don't know. I didn't hug my grandparents like for 20 years. Like, I'm not going to hug you. Jesus. <laughs> yeah, I that's, don't know. A, that's a you problem, Emily. It's <laughs> not a me problem. It's a, a specific type of New Englander problem. It's a specific breed of New England that we just like don't, like, I honestly think I maybe hugged my grandmother one time and it, it felt weird. Like we were both like, is this a, is this a thing we're doing? Um, is, I don't know. Is, is it, um, is it of any, uh, are you guys surprised at all that we used to have big family hugs, like group family hugs, <laughs> knowing me? No, not at all. Not <laughs> Rona, is that your mom's name, Rona? Oh, yeah, she'd love the shout out. I mean, we're Instagram friends now. We, we're, uh, we're always chit-chatting on Insta, so, you know, I, don't, I believe that Rona would be like, group hugs. it's for it's for sure she's the lady that's gonna buy all our merch if we ever have merch and hide it in your attic nice can't wait she already (laughs) asked for a chicken weirdo shirt so nice 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 well i can get her a sticker the next time i'm allowed to leave my house (laughs) um chicken weirdo is a callback to uh uh, a previous podcast where i outed myself as a chicken weirdo which is somebody not who is very interested in chickens but but is somebody who is a chicken like scared of a lot of things and also just a weirdo um, and so that's something that I was dealing with growing up. <laughs> that on this show or on a different podcast that you were a guest on? on no, show. on our show, yeah. On your on show. show. So your mom yeah. listens to your show? Yes. So Explain. Rona, I hope you subscribe to the Man or Podcast and learn all sorts of things about yourself. <laughs> I mean, she comes to stand-up shows and she's learned a lot about Carly, so I don't see why she wouldn't listen to your podcast. Fair enough. <laughs> My mom, on the other hand, has already turned this episode off. She's already decided <laughs> this one's not for her. Which is fair, you know? Teach their own. Yeah. So this show uh, is about not necessarily being a weirdo or being an outcast, but just about being a little bit different than what maybe your group is or what the norm is. Um, and how do, you, how do you navigate, I guess, uh, you know, not, not monogamy and like relationships and sexuality in that sense of not necessarily, you don't have to like dive into it, but just when it comes to like society and, and maybe having to deal with people, I don't know, just yeah. wondering things. Uh, I mean, non-monogamy is still seen as some sort of weird thing, which is odd because like, I think I look at monogamy and I think that looks weird too. Uh, part of the difference is I think the monogamous people should be allowed to go do it and a lot of monogamous people go like you guys are crazy and weird and freakish and all that jazz I don't know I've always been an outcast I've always been different I haven't really I've always kind of marched to be of my own drum uh, so so that's not new to me uh, but you know yeah talking openly and honestly about non-monogamy for the last like half decade that's definitely I guess newer in a way uh, you know, people seem so, it, it's just so weird to me that really the only thing that separates my relationship from this other relationship is that like, is the sexual exclusivity. And I don't know why that's like where we like, how we determine if something's serious or not, or real or not, or, you know, um, is a, or even is a relationship. You know, some people would say that like being non-monogamous, like if you fuck other people, then you're not, it's not actually a relationship. I was like, what are you talking about? Uh, why, why is that the metric? I remember one, you know, I've told someone like, um, yeah, we're not monogamous. And she's like, oh, so you guys aren't serious. I'd be like, what? Why is that making not serious? I don't know. It's, it's hard to, it's hard to kind of put my 
finger on it. Cause like, to me, what I do isn't weird. So I don't understand why other people think it's so weird. Doesn't I do make think, sense. Yeah. I do think it has a lot to do with people's idea of like, uh, what a relationship is, which I think is what you were just touching on. Like, I remember listening to something when, you know, the first, and this was like years ago, but the first time that I like understood the concept of like a relationship that ends can still be considered a successful relationship. Like if you were together for three years or a month or six months or whatever, and you got something out of it and it was like a positive relationship, that doesn't mean that it was a failure because it ended. Like maybe it was supposed to end when it did. And just that, like, so many people just have the concept of, like, a successful relationship is only a monogamous thing that you stay with that person till you're dead. Right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it, it, you know, it's something, I, it's something I've talked about a lot. Is I just want, it, for me, it's about options. And I think so many people do monogamy by default because they don't think there's another option. They think this is what you're supposed to eventually do. Uh, and I'm fine if people choose monogamy. I just want people to choose monogamy. I don't think a lot of people choose monogamy. I think they just do it. Um, so if someone zoomed down and was like, oh, these are all my options, I still choose the most boring one. Thank God bless you. You choose my one. <laughs> but there's like an infinite amount of other options because to me, a relationship is whatever two or three or four or 12 people want the one relationship to be. Like make your own rules. You can customize the relationship. Uh, and I, I just kind of want people, I don't, it's not like I want people to go not be monogamous. I just want them to think about their options and then choose something. When did this start being an idea to you? I mean, growing up, I don't even 18. think. 18. Was it to something 18. like spark it or you just were like, you, it just kind of, you, that's how you felt. You like, you always knew where. There was a little, a little film, a uh, little, little classic called Definitely Maybe starring uh Ryan Reynolds and Isla Fisher and uh, Elizabeth Banks and uh, are in it, whatever. Anyways, it's a, it's a movie where he's kind of doing a How I Met Your Mother to his daughter. Um, there's these three major women in his life and he's like telling the story basically of his love life and the daughter's trying to figure out which one is her mom. And all these three women happen and they come in and out of his life but they all seem to kind of overlap each other a little bit. And I thought like, well, of course you can be in love more than one time over the course of your life. Well, why couldn't those times overlap? There's no real reason why not. We don't tell parents that they have to only love one kid at a time. Right? We don't tell people you can only love one of your friends at a time. I don't see why romantic love is very much different. I don't have to love someone less to love someone else more. I just love them or not you know um so that movie made me think about it and i saw it with my girlfriend at the time we were it was freshman year of college we were long distance i was at nyu she was up at tufts and i was visiting her and we saw the movie we get a cab back to her dorm and i brought up this thought i was like oh you know what that, that, that ryan reynolds guy is in the different things and they overlap and no it's just i wonder if things are possible in general and she freaked out <laughs> she kind of lost her shit she one i mean it wouldn't have been an appropriate reaction if i was proposing uh, a change but like i wasn't even proposing that we do anything differently i just was saying like this is making me think about the concept of love and how it works uh but just and this happens i and i think this happens like whether it's you know a group of girlfriends who don't want samantha to come around too much because Samantha's too slutty or free loving or whatever but just the the mere existence of ethical non-monogamy 
seems to threaten a lot of fragile monogamous people because they think, oh, if this, if my partner knows that there are other options, they might start contemplating if they want to do something else. And since I haven't like gotten like a healthy grasp of how like love and sexuality and desire work uh, for myself, and then I have probably whatever own insecurities I'm holding on to, I'm going to lose my shit that my partner is even learning about this. Like to even learn that it exists is threatening it. And not, that doesn't, that's not me coming out to somebody and telling them they should try this. It's not me telling people monogamy is dumb. It's not me really, it's not me hitting on their girl. It's just me existing in this relationship model threatens a lot of monogamous people. I think a lot of people too, it's just all insecurity because even in a monogamous relationship, I feel like so many people have the perception now that your partner has to be absolutely everything in your life. Like they have to be your best friend and they have to be the person you want to talk to about work stuff. They have to be the person you want to talk to about friend stuff. They have to be the person you want to talk to about like every little thing. And also you have to like spend the most time with them, sleep with them and you know, whatever. And it's like, just the idea of having like other adults, like friendships that you like spend significant time with. I feel like some people feel threatened by in their relationship just because they're like, well, no, now we're together. So now we're the only people we need in this two person bubble. And you're like, well, there's a whole lot of other people out there saying stuff. Mm -hmm. And so did you, I mean, you seem like very well versed in it. It sounds like you've definitely taken the time to educate yourself and um, be able to discuss it with really great language to other people. Is that something that you chose to do because you were getting talked to a lot about it and you're like, I better know how to express myself or it's just something that you were like, this is very interesting to me. I want to learn more about it for myself or. Well, I've also been talking about the subject, you know, online um, for like the last six years. And, and then I've also <clears throat> been open about just, even before I identified as non-monogamous, I still thought that that was kind of more where my relationship model would end up. Uh, of course, I, I mean, part of the reason I started the show is because I couldn't get a girlfriend. So I also haven't ever really tested this in my own life. I just knew theoretically it was kind of what I wanted because um, that girlfriend who, uh, at Tufts, we broke up when we were 19 and I didn't have a girlfriend until I was 25 or 26. So, uh, yeah, so part of, part of me being able to talk about it is just I've been doing that for a, a while. <laughs> Are uh, you tired of talking about it? <laughs> no, no. It's, oh, I'm always happy to, to share, you know, other points of view to people. Uh, it's just, uh, yeah. I think that, yeah, I think when you, when you have to defend, like, the way you live your life, you kind of get into a, a, a method of it. The That's first fair. person that I met that was uh, polyamorous was my boss uh, like eight years ago and I was working at Juilliard and the first day I went to work, I was her assistant. She showed me all the Google calendars she used to keep track of all her relationships <laughs> because she uh, was polyamorous and bisexual and married. So she had her husband and her primary boyfriend and a girlfriend and I believe she was also dating. And she told me all of this the first day of work and I was like, I am happy for you, but this is a really weird orientation meeting. Like, <laughs> but see, now that, but like, I also think that's inappropriate. It is. Like, I'm not one of those. Yeah. I'm not. Yeah, I'm not one of those non-monogamous people who's like, fucking deal with my existence, bro. It's like, no, like you shouldn't be going like telling sex workers about your sex life on day one. However, I will also extend this to, 
I don't want to hear about, you know, you got, your, you know, you and your girlfriend or your wife or whoever are pregnant because all that says is, or, or I don't want to hear that y'all are trying because all that says is we're fucking. We're having so as much sex as possible. You're, you're, yeah. Yeah. You and her are trying to have a baby and we're starting to go to doctors, you know, whatever. And because we're trying or, oh, you know, she, uh, we're, we're going to have a baby. All that says is we fucked or we are fucking. So I don't think that's a pro. Honestly, I think talking about sex should be like very nonchalant or whatever. But I just think we should have a more consistent attitude. So either we're talking about sex at work or we're not. But don't be saying that like you can't share about. Don't conflate the fact that your baby shit isn't the same as her Google Calendar fuck dates. <laughs> yeah, no, it was uh, it was very overwhelming. I remember just being like, I don't actually know how to have a conversation with you because she also on like day two. She was just like a very big oversharer. And like within the first week of work, she also told me that her husband had not wanted to be polyamorous and that like they got married and she was like, guess what we're doing? So like the whole relationship, she was, I mean, she was just an oversharer on all points of the spectrum. And she thought I was like incredibly square. And I was like, I guess, I guess I am. I don't know. You're like, you're, you're monogamy shaming me all the time. And I don't don't know what to do with that. I'm all, it was also, there were so many dynamics of play. My boss, she was like 15 years older than me. She would share shit all the time. Uh, It was a weird, it was a weird working relationship. Yeah. I would have called HR. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, but you know, so as much as I think that like, you know, I think monogamous people should on non-monogamous people way more often i you know i also don't believe in the in like monogamy shaming or vanilla shaming i don't think that's chill either um just because you do non-monogamy or some sort of alternative sex or dating practice that doesn't make you more enlightened than anyone you know don't act holier than thou just because like you have 17 boyfriends and girlfriends and everyone lives in harmony which isn't necessarily true but just because you're doing this fairly well doesn't make your relationship model more superior than monogamous people. I do think monogamous people are more boring, but uh, I don't think there's, <laughs> I think we should be allowed to live boring sex lives. I think that's, there's nothing wrong with that if it fulfills you. I think it just all goes back to like, do whatever you want to do and leave yes. other people out of it. Episode one was do you boo boo. <laughs> that is just the, the, the overarching mantra of the show. So you do your podcast and you, you do stand-up comedy. What? Well, not anymore. We No one does stand-up comedy. <laughs> no one does stand-up comedy. <laughs> you do sit down on a computer comedy. The closest but- I got to was I did drive-up comedy where I was like, I was uh, filming a set where I was just like driving up in my car to spots and just like telling a couple jokes and then driving away. That's the closest I've gotten to performing to real people. I know a comic that actually did, uh, it seemed really cool, he did drive-in comedy in Alaska this month, and he's done it a few times, and he gives everybody an FM radio station to tune into, and everyone stays in their cars, and he stands outside on, like, a truck bed, and they all sit in their cars, and he does a set of comedy. Oh, that's amazing. Oh, wow. That's got to get set up. I feel like we could... Carly, let's talk. We got to figure something out like that. <laughs> yeah, we could do it. With our educations, we got this. Yeah, get, get it done. Get out in Jersey and get it done. Also, Carly, are you living in an illegal bedroom? Listen, what happens in Bushwick <laughs> stays in Bushwick. Yeah, every time I Zoom with Carly, she's in front of another setting. And it, there's always a lot of pipes. 
There's always a <laughs> you, you have a window? Is that <laughs> okay, the, that door opens to my bedroom and my bedroom has a window. Okay, I just want to make sure no one's taking advantage of you. <laughs> oh, for sure they are, but um, I've, I'm, I'm doing okay. <laughs> you're well aware of it and you're fine with it. <laughs> yeah, I got my Lysol in one corner and my window in the other corner and I'm good to go. <laughs> you've, you've consented to being taken advantage of real estate wise, so that's good. Absolutely. It's a, it's a consensual relationship. Are you still quarantining alone? Um, my roommate um, comes in every now and then just to get some stuff and leave. Um, the problem is that it always seems to be right when I'm doing something. And it's obviously it's his apartment. He could come and go as he wants. But um, like the other day I was um, giving a work presentation and he hadn't been back in the apartment in like five days. And like, this was the time he happened to walk into the apartment when I'm like in the middle of the apartment, <laughs> giving a work presentation on, on, uh, it's like WebEx, which is, you know, uh, zoom for businesses. And then the next time I was like singing at the top of my lungs in the kitchen and he just like walks in <laughs> and he's like, Oh, I heard you singing. And I was like, Oh, of course you did. <laughs> of course. Of course. This is the moment you chose. I don't know how weird I would get if I was quarantining alone I imagine pretty weird like I imagine I would be doing a lot of singing a lot of like risky business sliding on the floor like socks no pants style yeah the fact that he theoretically could walk in at any minute makes every naked run to the bathroom just a little bit more exciting uh, you know because <laughs> if I lived alone I'd be like oh no one's gonna walk in but he could you know we constantly forget that our across the alley neighbor is only like four feet away because we have like a giant window in our living room and they have the same size window maybe three feet away and we keep both not closing the curtains and then just being like <laughs> oh hey like <laughs> right there we we forgot other people existed because we've been in this apartment for six weeks <laughs> what oh, okay so we, we we're saying um you do you did stand up you do car stand up what <laughs> do you still are you still a big reader do you still are you still into greek mythology like what's your uh, like what who are you as a person besides you know like comedy uh, and and your podcast uh, hopefully besides not being your... a comedian and a whore what else is there to me <laughs> yeah um, there's always more to someone uh i actually just finished hillbilly elegy this morning so i'm gonna start uh the david letterman book by jason zeneman so i'm looking forward to that what did um, you say yeah. hillbilly what Hillbilly Elegy. I don't know that. By this guy, J.D. Vance. It's a memoir, but it's like about, you know, hillbilly Appalachian people. And I don't know, apparently it was supposed to like explain why Trump won. Yeah, I don't... it came out after the election and everybody was like, read this if you think you're in a bubble. Like this will explain it to you. It was fine. It didn't justify anything to me. It just kind of showed, it didn't really explain as much as it, ex it exhibited to me that like, some people are fucking stupid and yeah, I don't know. Uh, no, but it, it was fine. It's fine book. And then, uh, yeah, so I, I read when I can. I listen to a lot of podcasts. I watch TV. I mean, I, you know, this, the sex and the pot and comedy is like most of my life. Yeah. That and like determining whether or not I should eat that thing over there. Like that's most <laughs> of my existence. The answer is always yes. You always have to eat whatever's over there. Yeah, how to make someone laugh, how to make someone come, how to you know fuck my face. Those are <laughs> those are my three missions every morning. 
Speaking of eight, we're about the time of uh, favorite. Oh, are we? Yeah, we got, I mean, a few more minutes, but we can, we can get into it. Uh, This is the one segment we have on the show and it's uh, (laughs) where you like to eat alone at lunch when we are allowed to leave your house. Like where? Oh, I knew, I knew exactly. The Astor Place Shake Shack. Oh, perfect. I go there legit. I mean, before all this, I legitimately went there three to five times a week. Impressive. What do you get? get? What's your meal? Uh, I get a double burger with bacon, plain, uh, with French fries and a, and a Coke Zero. I get the small because I'm sitting there for a while. I don't need to pay extra for the larger cup. I'm just going to go do refills at the fountain soda. What's the point of a large cup when there's a fountain? Like anyone who dines in where the fountain's right there and you get the large, it's like, how fucking lazy are you? Like just <laughs> save a dollar ten, get the fuck up and refill. I don't know. And I have feelings. But yeah, no, the Astor Place Shake Shack. That's where I go. If only uh, I, you got access to the root beer at Shake Shack yourself, because I'm a root beer gal, and okay. they do it for you. It's on the tap. It's the draft. Ah. You got to decide a, your size. I'm a pretty big Coke Zero guy. I eat like seven things, and I just eat, eat, them on re- eat and drink them on repeat. But yeah, though, I, it was funny when you asked that question. I was like, I know where. <laughs> do you ever no get the problem. Shake? Uh, I mean, you know, most days I don't deserve the shake, so no. But <laughs> if if I if I feel like if I feel pretty, I might one day. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I've taken that place seriously enough. Like I've been there for like two hours working, hotspot my my laptop to my phone. Yeah, it's like a That's second. That's a power office. move. Really working awesome. at the Shake Shack. <laughs> I don't see a lot of people doing work at the Shake Shack. That's impressive. It's really a second home to me. <laughs> Do I they was, know you there? They're like, hey, Billy. Actually, one of them, well, so I used to always, because they have, it's all, it's a cashless Shake Shack. So you're always putting your order in, you have to put a name. And so I would consistently put my first and last name as Manhor Podcast. Because <laughs> then they read them out loud. And I, I figure, one, they'll have to say it, but at minimum, I'm going to convert listeners like seven Shake Shack employees at a time, right? Perfect. <laughs> Sometimes they wouldn't say it. Actually, most of the time, the staff didn't want to say it. I guess they didn't feel comfortable. Yeah. Uh, but they, you know what? They don't know that's not my real fucking name. But anyways, <laughs> they don't fuck. They're not checking ID. So, so they, they would just read your order. No, sometimes they would just they would just read. I sometimes I'd watch them, and it was so funny because I would see them. Full tray, okay, got a thing, pick up the thing, getting ready to, smiles on the face, and it's like, and they, they, they will, like, if it's their first time encountering my order, they, like, hold it, and they look around to see <laughs> if they should say it, and most of the time, they'll say, podcast? <laughs> is there a, is there a podcast here? Uh, but one dude, one dude really, he would notice that, and he'd be like, y'all, bro, dude, dude. Man, they should be saying your name. That's fucked up. You put it in there, they should say it. They gotta respect that. That's how you identify. It's I don't I don't agree with that decision. I'm gonna hey buddy, anytime I get your order, I'm gonna I'm gonna there's no tip jar. He's doing this out of the kindness of his heart. <laughs> he's like, I got you. So if he takes the order, he'll look around, he'll smile and be like, Man or podcast. I'll be like, buddy, right here. <laughs> so I got I got one guy there. I got one guy there. Nice, nice. 
I, uh, I frequented the Shake Shack way too much for like two months because it's right near a place that I go to physical therapy twice a week. And at first I would leave physical therapy and it was like kind of painful for an hour. So I'd be like, I deserve a treat. And then I was like, I don't deserve two treats a week. Like this is a <laughs> lot of treats. You deserve whatever you feel you deserve, Emily. Oh, it was rough. It was, it was getting too much. And it was also that Shake Shack was not the best because it was the Upper East Side and it was always when school got out. So it was like rich teens and it was mm. not for me. They, they really feel like they own the place. And then they would we, Yes, they do that at Astor Place, too. It's bullshit. There's, like a, there's a grade <laughs> school right by there, and these fucking children come, and they gather, like, 13 will crowd a table made for eight, and then they take all the fucking chairs. And I could live with that, but then they make it so that I, they block every possible pathway around them. And I'm like, well, now you're being inconsiderate shits. And they you're have not to- even thinking about, like, what space you take up in the world yet. Yeah, they haven't learned that etiquette. So they're standing in your way and then they're standing in front of the ketchup and the straws and you're like a lonely adult and you're making, they make you feel like you're out of place and you're like, I just need a straw. Like, get yeah, out of my fucking- I got fucking place to be because I'm an adult, okay? I got, I got to be somewhere to jerk off on a stranger's face at 320 and you are in the way of that goal and this Reddit chick is going to be really disappointed. <laughs> I hope you yeah, say I that to them. Exact experience, but very similar. <laughs> very similar. <laughs> yeah. I've been told my comedy is very relatable. Okay. <laughs> More for me, I was like, in four hours, I got to do a free show for six people. So you gotta, you gotta get quit on. bragging. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, Billy, where can uh, all of our listeners find you? Oh, folks, uh, if you enjoyed me, if you're, you're curious about things, uh, you should check out my show, The Man Whore Podcast, available everywhere you're getting podcasts. Uh, I'm also on the social media things. You can just search Billy Presida, I show up. Uh, that's Presida, P-R-O-C-I-D-A. And Emily? You can find me at The Funny Walsh, everywhere that you find people. We're so proud of you, Emily, for f- picking one name and sticking name. with it both handles it's very thrilling i tried i got i lost my instagram and then uh i started a new one but then someone was squatting on the old one i can't get it so now i have this stupid thing where it's like oh my twitter's this but my instagram's that and my fet life is this thing over here i wish it could all just be the billy Presida, but exactly that's why i became the funny walsh and i said it the other day i was doing a show and we were doing like a little promo. So the guy who owned the brewery that was like co-running the show, had it been in a place, uh, was like the funny Walsh. That makes it seem like there are some Walshes that are funny. And I'm like, there probably are, sir. <laughs> <laughs> Weird conversation. But uh, yeah, that's my handle. Well, I'm Carly Montag on, in- on Instagram. And I had to be Carly J Montag on Twitter. Maybe I'll talk about Instagram you. To- <laughs> Maybe I'll change my Instagram to Carly J Montag, but you know, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't think people. You have a lot care. of time to think about it in quarantine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll see if it affects my numbers. <laughs> there you go. Uh, well, Billy, thank you so much for being here. It was such a pleasure. We, we had a great time and uh, everyone stay safe out there. Thank yeah, you for stay having safe. me. Stay safe. Stay sane. See you later. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to Alone at Lunch early and ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Or you can listen early and ad-free with Wondery Plus in Apple Podcasts.
Before you go, tell us about yourself by completing a short survey at Wondery.com survey. If you're listening to this podcast, then chances are good you are a fan of The Strange, Dark, and Mysterious. And if that's true, then you're in luck. Because, once again, Mr. Ballin Podcast Strange, Dark, and Mysterious Stories is available everywhere you get your podcasts. Each week on the Mr. Ballin Podcast, you'll hear new stories about inexplicable encounters, shocking disappearances, true crime cases, and everything in between. Like our recent episode titled White Dust. After a middle-aged couple fail to answer their daughter's messages and calls, the daughter drives the few hours to her parents' house to check on them, but after arriving and seeing both her parents' cars in the driveway, the daughter gets an uneasy feeling and just can't stomach going inside. To hear the rest of that story and hear hundreds more stories like it, follow Mr. Ballin Podcast on Amazon Music or wherever you get your podcasts. Prime members can listen early and ad-free on Amazon Music.